Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to go to a story. Here's my sheep. Isn't he cute? Oh, little sheepy sheep. He's actually really soft, too. I don't know if he'll stand. <gasps> he stands. Okay. Yeah, good job, sheep. You just, you just manned the podium there. Uh, okay, so tonight we're going to be in, in a scripture that I am sure all of you have heard. Uh, but we're going to go into it again because why not? Uh, and it was so fun because on uh, Sunday, Pastor Rick Bloom, who was just such a beautiful soul, uh, he talked a little bit about it, and I had already been prepping for this, and I was like, this is Jesus, right? Okay, so first we're going to look up here for Luke 15. Pretty sure it's up here. There it is. Okay, this is the parable of the lost sheep, right? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisee and the teachers of the law muttered, oh, muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Oh, my sheep fell off. He, he's lost. <laughs> I found him. It's okay. Uh, and when he, oh, he's not going to stand. There we go. Uh, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This parable is also in Matthew 18. Just, you know reference-wise. Um, and it uses an example that's very, very close to home for the people that he's talking to. Uh, they, being a shepherd, or, um, I, you know, I was looking up the, is there like a verb for shepherding, you know, sheep, sheep herding? Uh, and actually, shepherd in and of itself is a verb. So you would say to shepherd, right? Anyways, that's, I got distracted. Okay, so, uh, he, this is very common. People of this time, right, uh, in the Middle East, there's lots of shepherds. They are out with their flock. They usually slept out there with their flock, right? We know the story about Jesus and the angels that appeared to the shepherds. And, um, you know, so, so this is a very common th- theme. And Jesus uses the idea of a shepherd throughout, right? And we even see that in the Old Testament, in prophecies, right, pointing to Jesus, uh, the term lamb, right, is used a lot in reference to Jesus or, uh, you know, the flock, right, the example of a flock. So it's, it's imagery that is constantly repeated. Um, and he's just saying, hey, look, right, all of you would leave your 99 sheep and you would go find the one. And they're like, yes, I absolutely would. I would leave my 99 sheep in the pasture, happy little clams, and I would go search for my one. And He's telling them, okay, so if this is a sheep, how much more valuable, right, are souls? I mean, how much more valuable are the people made in my image? And he's trying to, he's trying to really, you know, bring the point home with them. Now, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anything against animals. I love animals. We have a little dog. His name is Nelson, and we call him Baby Nelson, and he's precious. Uh, we got him from the shelter, and I could talk about Nelson. Oh, I should have brought you guys a picture of Nelson. Anyways, okay, so I love animals, right? Animals are great. And Jesus isn't saying, like, forget the animals, right? But he's trying to compare. Here, I know for a fact, each one of you would leave your 99 
to go find the one, how much more valuable do you think it is? A human, right? A person bearing my image. And it's so funny because there were times throughout my life that I would read this because there's a section that says, you know, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner and than, than those who, you know, the 99 righteous who do not need to repent. And I remember thinking, well, well, but what about the 99, right? Like they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? They're staying in the pasture, they're eating their grass, and they're staying put, right? They're not wandering. So what about them? Like, Jesus, don't you love those sheep too? And yes, of course. And I have a story to illustrate this. So when I was, when Emerson was first born, I'm sure you guys know this by now, but I have two boys, six-year-old and a three-year-old almost, my six-year-old Jonah, he, uh, he, there was one time when Emerson was first born, and I was loading them up in the car. Now, our car at the time, our garage at the time was out facing an alley, and the alley going this way went behind all the other houses, and the alley going out went to the street, just creating a picture for you. So I locked Emerson into his little carrier, uh, and he's in, the, he's in the van, and he's all locked and loaded, and I'm like, okay, Jonah, hop in the car. So Jonah at this time is about three, and he's not there, right? And so automatically, uh, my entire body gets thrown into panic mode, right? I am stressed out. My, I feel like my heart is going to stop beating. And I start screaming like a lunatic, Jonah, right? Over and over. And I first things first, I dart out to the thing to look down the one long stretch of alley, not there. Then I shoot past the one stretch of alley, not there. And I'm running to the front, and the whole time I'm screaming his name, right? And he's sitting in the front yard, and he's like, Mom, I just wanted to get a stick. And, and I just, like, dropped, right? I dropped all the adrenaline, you know, and I'm just like, oh, Jonah. So I pick him up, and I carry him back to the car, and after I've had a second to kind of, like, reevaluate my life, uh, I explain to him, right, the problem with his actions. <laughs> but here's the thing. Did I love Emerson any less because I left him in the car? No. He was safe. I knew he was safe. He was locked in his car seat. He was locked in the car, right? Car doors shut. I have the keys with me. Nobody's getting to that baby. But M is safe. Jonah is not, right? Jonah is out. And he, and I don't know if he's safe. I don't have that assurity. And so I am going to scream and run after him until I find him, right? Um, and it was, it's so funny because when I became a parent, um, it's, it's like I under, like, I was like, yes, God loves me. And then I became a parent and I was like, it just, I understand it just a little bit better now. I feel like, cause it's like, there's nothing I wouldn't do with my, for my kids. And it's so funny cause growing up, my mom would say, um, I love you. And I would say, I love you more. And she would say, I love you most. And I'd be like, no, you don't. Right. And then I became a mom and I looked at her and I said, absolutely. You do. You absolutely love me more. No matter how much I love you. Like that's just a fact of life. So sometimes, sometimes we are the 99, right? Because sheep wander all the time. That's just a reality. And, and we think of it, we think of this parable sometimes as, as here's the life before we met Jesus. We wandered off. He brings us to himself. And then we strive to live a holy life and yay for us. But that's not really the path of Christianity, right? Uh, wandering happens. And we wander, and the sheep, the precious sheep, wander. But God being the good shepherd, right, Jesus being the good shepherd, he always goes after us. There's this video that went around social media for a while. 
I'm going to explain it to you because it's hilarious. There's this sheep, and he's stuck in this ditch, this long canal ditch on the side of the pasture, and he is stuck, stuck, like face first stuck. And the owner is trying to pull the sheep out with its hind legs, and he is just pulling the sheep, and the sheep is just so stuck, right? And finally, he gets the sheep free, and the sheep goes running and throws itself back into the ditch, right? And it's hilarious because a lot of people would put with it, like, God, you know, pulling me out of the ditch, and then me, bounce, bounce, chunk, you know, right back in. And we're like, sorry, God, I won't do it again, I won't do it again. And boom, we go back to the ditch, right? He's like, all right, here I come. And, and so sometimes we are the wandering sheep, right? Sometimes we, we just, we get off course, we veer, but he never leaves us in the ditch, praise God, right? Because he loves us. My children sometimes frustrate me to no end, <laughs> but I love them. And I would, do, I would do absolutely anything for their wholeness and their safety. So this past Sunday, Pastor Rick, he talked about the rod and the staff, um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that verse. Uh, it's Psalms 23.4. Again, I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with this. Uh, the NIV says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then I gave another translation. It's the NLT, because I liked wording here. It said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So he um, kind of alluded to this on Sunday about how the rod was used for like beating away the bat, right? Like the wolves and stuff. And the staff was used for guidance or guarding. Um, so I have a picture for you. I don't know if it, there it is. Okay. So you got the rod. It's relatively short. It's heavy. It's club-like, right? So it's like whoops, you know. Really, really laying down the hammer. Uh, and then you've got the staff, which is longer, thinner, and it has a crook in the head. I brought something. Um, my great-grandfather was a sheep herder, and this is his staff. Isn't this cool? Uh, so we used to, we keep this at the bakery because it's kind of, it's how my grandfather started out before bread. Uh, but look at how huge this is. This is so huge. Uh, anyways, like my mom, as soon as she held it, she goes, let my people go, right? Because it, it just, gosh, you just feel authority. No wonder Moses was like, yeah, with God and this staff, I can do anything, right? Uh, could you imagine? Okay, there's that story also. Sorry, I, I sidetracked again. Uh, where the staff turns into a snake. Oh, my gosh, imagine the size of that snake. That's so scary. Okay, anyways, we're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about sheep. Okay, so here is our, here's our staff. So, you know, you're walking around, right, and you got your little sheepies, you know, and they're being, oh, yeah, good job, Mom. She has a good sheep sound. Uh, and so we're walking, we're walking, and then we've got a sheep, and it wanders. I have another picture for you. It's right here. Oh, look. So there's our sheepy, right? And the shepherd is like, oh, okay, you come here. So he reaches out and he pulls the sheepy in, right? And then there's another sheep over here getting in some, some stuff. And so you take the rod and you beat away whatever stuff the, the little sheep is getting. But look how happy that sheep is right there. Do you see him? Like, here's the big bad wolf. And he's like, I'm coming to get you. And the shepherd's like, no, you're not. And the sheep's like, that's right. I'm protected and I'm cozy. And, uh, and look, he's, he feels probably 
that look is a little sheepish of being pulled. Uh, see what I did there? Being pulled back up, right? Because he yet again wandered off the cliff. Um, but anyways, this is an illustration, right? And it shows us I love visual learning. I'm a big, big visual learner. Um, and I know that I'm going to put this down. I mean, I, should, I don't think I can hold it the whole time or else I'll fall over myself. Um, which that would be kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> maybe I just, I just Okay. So here's the thing. So we're, we're supposed to be more like Jesus, right? Like, that's, that's, that's our goal. Like, that's what we're striving for. Every day, every year, every decade, we're striving to look a little bit more like Jesus than we did a decade ago. And that's a tall order. You know, that's, that's a lot. Uh, but the reality is, sometimes we are called to be the shepherd, right? Sometimes... We are, um, sometimes we are called to be, or, or you can say to be the hands of the shepherd, right? We have our rod. Maybe that's prayer, right? Or our testimony. And we beat away the wolves. We beat away the darkness, the loneliness by praying for others and what they need, right? That's our rod. We are beating away the devil, Right? We're encouraging others with our testimony. And so, and so that's, our one, that's our one tool. Then we have our staff, right? That could be the Holy Spirit, our Bible, our church family. The, the Word of God guiding us, the Holy Spirit guiding us, people that we trust guiding us to do the best that we can or for us allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us to do the best that we can for others. We don't use our testimony or the Word of God to, you know, or prayer or anything else to beat each other up, right? We're not supposed to walk around. We're not supposed to walk around and be like, you know, we were talking about, have you guys, I'm sure you guys heard the term, we were talking to the youth about it, the uh, Bible thumper, right? Okay, we were just this past, we're in youth, we're doing something called reconstructing your faith, which is where we're kind of taking a more apologetic approach to uh, the Christian faith and, and really diving into the fact that, it still stands, right? Christianity still stands because we want to answer those big questions for our youth before they get out into the world. And so we were talking about how when Stuart and I were in youth, um, a really popular thing was people who would take their faith, their Bible, their scriptures, and they would just beat people over the head with it, right? Hey, you're not doing a good job in that area. Boom, scripture, you're bad. And then you go over here. Hey, you're also not doing great. Uh, boom, scripture, you are also bad, right? And it was just this, this constant um, discouraging and um, just kind of, you know, they were using their rod to, to beat people up, right? And that's not what we're called to do. I mean, Jesus wasn't walking around beating people up, right? Um, I mean, we bring the story all the time in youth about Jesus and the woman and the stone, right? And he says, uh, what does he say? He who uh, has not sinned, right? You can, you can go ahead. You can throw the stone. And obviously, all the people are like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not me because, you know, yesterday. Uh, and then somebody else is saying, and they hear these holy people, right? You got the Pharisees. They're, they're the highest, most religious, most educated, right? They're like cream of the crop, and they can't throw the stone, right? But you know who could throw the stone? Jesus, like, he said, he who's without sin. He could have thrown the stone. He could have stepped back, been like, stand, aim, fire, right? But he didn't. He didn't. 
he showed mercy, he showed grace, he used his staff to comfort and protect, right? So that's, that is, that's what we got to emulate. Um, and so we, we go into, and we, you know, we also talk about this all the time. As far as like, you know, the idea that our battle is not with flesh and blood. So we have Ephesians six twelve, and this is also in the NIV. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Okay? And, and we talk about this a lot, right? It's, it's not, our battle is not against flesh and blood, and we hear it all the time. But sometimes we don't act like that right? Sometimes we look at each other and we're like, no, it's me against you, or it's us against them, or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes we, we say this, right? But then we don't really act it. Um, and, and I know it's hard because we're people, right? We, we're the sheep. We wander and get caught in the ditch. Uh, and God understands that, and he loves us anyways. But after this, right? It goes into the different pieces of the armor of God. You know, there's songs. I'm sure my mom has one in her head already. Uh, Different songs about putting on the armor of God. And I actually don't have this up here, but I I think I'm going to read it because it's so good and because I don't remember the melody of the song that's coming to me in my head. And I would just, I could rap it. You want me to rap it for you? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're like, oh, look at that white girl go. Okay, here we go. Um, so it says, therefore, right, put on the full, full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you have extinguished all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then after this, it talks about praying in the spirit on all occasions. And... Um, you know, I, it's, it's amazing to me because here's, again, the imagery, right? It's a warrior. It's somebody going off to battle. And that, that imagery is for a reason. And I think sometimes we get lost in it because we're like, well, we're not going to war, right? I'm going to my office. Or I'm not going to war. Uh, I'm, you know, going to my children's soccer game. Uh, and that's true. But all of this we put on every single day. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we pray, the more we are with each other, encouraging, lifting up, guiding when needed, the more we put these on and they stay put, right? Because like sometimes probably, you remember David, he puts on the armor and he's like, it's so heavy, you know, it doesn't fit me, right? And I feel like that's probably when we start off in our Christian walk, that's probably how the armor of God feels a little bit feels a little heavy, feels a little awkward. Swords are crazy huge, right? So it's like, how do I even lift this? Uh, unless you're a beefcake and you can lift it great, then good for you, you know? Uh, but it, it probably feels a little bit oversized. How am I supposed to carry 
the armor of God and actually be able to walk, right? But as, as we have practiced, as we, again, like I said, as we spend time with him, as we spend time with others, as we continue to strive to look a little bit more like him, that armor fits just a little better. And so by the end of our life, right, senior saints, by the end of our life, that armor fits you like it was designed for you, right? Which is what he wants. That's what he wants for all of us. Because the reality is, when we are, are fighting this fight, right? We're fighting the darkness in our lives, in the lives of others, because we are not just here for ourselves. I mean, none of us are uh, at any capacity. And I, I never, I always, Stuart and I, um, I don't know if you guys know, but we're big on mental health. Both of our degrees are in mental health. And so um, I talk about it a lot, especially with our youth, because there is a, a very important line that you find uh, because you cannot pour an empty cup, right? So you have to refill and you have to refill. And so I call it right now, the word, the phrasing is self-care, um, but we've kind of reiterated it to soul care, right? So not just something that refreshes your mind and your body, but something that refreshes your spirit as well. Something that actually, cause you know, you can sit on TikTok, which are, you know, social media, or you can do on Facebook or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm doing self-care, you know, uh, or maybe, uh, well, actually, you know what, fishing's not a good example, because that can really be soul-inspiring, uh, uh, but you know, something that doesn't really refresh you, you, you leave it feeling not, not super great, it's just with some alone time, you know what I mean? Uh, so we want to find a nice balance. We want to be there for others and give and constantly give, but also remember we have to refill because we have darkness too. If you do not refill, when the darkness slaps you in the face, it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock you out. And so we have to, you know, we have to refill too. Jesus is our good shepherd. He stays beside us. I love that, that idea of just, you know, he's with you. It's, you're going to face some stuff, but he's with you. He's not beating us up. In uh, youth, we also talk a lot about the difference between shame and guilt and actual spiritual conviction. I think over the years, um, as humans, we tend to kind of get the two confused a little bit. Uh, Because when the Spirit, and we emphasize this to the youth a lot, when the Spirit is convicting, um, you should never feel like you need to run and hide right? It's anytime I have been convicted of anything, it has always been a gentle nudge, a gentle reminder, a, a, hey, I see you. I'm with you. Let's try this. I've never felt shame or like I'm not good enough or like I'm dirt, right? It's always because humility is not self-hate. It's just thinking of yourself less, right? That's, that's another thing we say a lot because I think sometimes we get that confused too. Um, anyway, so we, we talk a lot about the difference between that, right? Is this shame and guilt? Is this just because somebody has said, no, that's bad? Or is this conviction? Is this the Holy Spirit telling you, no, this is bad, right? Um, but the, the beautiful thing about all of this is that no matter what the struggle is, you know, if you can't get out of bed, right? You're just having a day or a lot of days or a million days in a row, where it's just hard to exist, right? Jesus is right beside you. He's got his rod, he's got his staff, and he's ready to beat anything that walks through your bedroom door, right? 
and he's ready to protect with his staff. If you're doing fantastic, right, and life is really going your way, uh, he's still right there with his rod and with his staff. And because of this, we can do that as well, right? Sometimes we're the wandering sheep, and sometimes we're the safe 99. And sometimes we put on the armor of God, we take up our rod and staff, and we are shepherds for others. This week, as you guys are, or the rest of this week, as you guys are going about stuff, um, maybe take a beat and just think about that, right? If, if you're wandering, Jesus will always go after you. I promise. Uh, so you, you know, can wander and wander and wander, but at some point that shepherd's going to find you, he's going to carry you home which is such a beautiful thought, right? It's like, there's nowhere you can't go. Gosh, Jonah in the, in the ship, right? He's like, I'm going, I'm going really far away. And God's like, guess who? It's me. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's always going to be there. He's always going to pull you out of that ditch. I mean, you might be stuck for a bit, you know, but he'll, he'll pull you out. If you're in the 99, right? If you're currently in a season where you are grazing in the pasture, you are resting. You are doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? You're not going into the ditch or wandering off, you good sheep, you, right? Uh, then rest, right? Rest is good. The Bible tells us to rest. God himself rested on the seventh day, right? He re- Did he need rest? No. But he's like, hey, example number one, rest, right? Rest is good. Rest refreshes. But as you're resting, watch the shepherd, because your time to shepherd will come, right? And if you're in a season where you're a shepherd, follow the example that you see all the time in your Bibles of how Jesus is, how he talks to people, how he presents himself, how he loves, how he shows mercy, how he corrects, right? That's so important too, because when we correct somebody or or we're like, hey, you're not, this isn't good or whatever. We, you know, doing it in love makes such a huge difference than just, you know, well, you know. Uh, so so uh, if you're in the season of shepherding or to shepherd or sheep herding, uh, lead with mercy and use your tools to protect and encourage. Um, I... I'm going to finish. I always, you guys are probably like, wow, she's, uh, we always finish early in youth for time to just chat. We play games and stuff. Um, and so I want to give you guys the opportunity as well. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to you all. Uh, this church is such an awesome church of prayer. Uh, and it's really incredible. Uh, I, I, you know, we have our, our prayer chain that Jack just so awesomely keeps updated. Um, and, you know, people who are reaching out uh, or asking questions or whatever about anything, right? People check in. I know Pastor Ken calls a lot of people to check in on different prayer requests. I mean, it's just there is so much power in prayer. And so thank you. Thank you for being a church that prays. And it's awesome because in, in staff meeting on Tuesdays or Mondays now, um, we always, we pray, right? And we pray over prayer requests and all this. And it's such an incredible feeling to know that as we are praying, we know there is hundreds of other people praying along with us, right? Um, 
And so keep praying, guys. It's, it's, it's appreciated. We're so thankful. Um, we're so thankful for each one of you. I'm so thankful for Pastor Nathan, wherever he went. Uh, oh, he's upstairs. Okay. Um, because it's, it's awesome. I mean, here he is, one-man show up here. And uh, leading us in some awesome, just genuine worship. Yeah. Every time, you know, our sound system could go down and, and there he is. You know, he's so faithful and, and just always brings us into, um, or just, you know, worships with us, right? Into a time of worshiping our Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, I was sitting there thinking about it with those songs. I love Jesus Paid It All. It's like a favorite. Um, anyway, this is incredible, right? We've got a, one man up there, and, and we are all singing together, and it's beautiful. Anyways, uh, so thank you, Pastor Nathan. <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, okay, so I'll go ahead and end, uh, and then you guys can have some time for fellowship, you know, some chatting time. Uh, or if you have children, you can go get the children, or leave Pastor Janelle uh, and Linda a little bit early. Uh, uh, as they're, I know they're practicing for kids' choir. Um, Anyways, okay, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much again for this time, for this opportunity for us to just um, look into your word and look into what a good shepherd you are, not only just to us when we wander, to us when we're in the 99, but also to us as, an, as the example of how we can be for others. I pray that there is something tonight that did stick with us, something that we can kind of think over as we go through the rest of this week and into the coming seasons, God. I thank you so much for every single person in our church, here, at home, traveling, wherever they are. Um, it's, such, it's such an incredible thing to be a part of a church that prays. Uh, prayer changes things, and we're so thankful for that. Father, I pray that... For any of the prayer requests that are in this room, anything that we just have kind of on the front of our mind, stresses, worries, just things that are taking up a lot of mental space, uh, I just, we give them to you. We're so thankful that, that you care about every single thing and that you are stand right beside us with your rod and your staff in everything, in the big things, in little things, and we just want to lay it all at your feet always, constantly just like in for Thessalonians and, and praying about everything and, and giving thanks about everything. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to be that kind of people that gives you thanks and brings everything to you in prayer. And God, we do that tonight. Keep all these good people safe as they are going home or wherever it is that they're going after this. We love you so much. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.